Okay, if you'd open up to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to finish the book of Ephesians today. So it's Ephesians 6, uh, verses 21 to 24, and uh, just the conclusion of the book of Ephesians. And uh, if you just, as you're turning there, just uh, bow your heads and we'll go to the Lord uh, for prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you, Lord, for the people that are here today. That there's still a remnant, Lord. That there's still people throughout Kitsap County, throughout Washington State, throughout America, and throughout the world. That there are still people hungry for your truth. Hungry for your word. And so I pray, Lord, that, uh, that they would not be disappointed today. That they would not uh, hear nothing but the, the faulty wisdom of man. And so I pray that uh, you would anoint me with your spirit and empower me to proclaim your truth so I would not lead anyone astray. I pray that you give everyone here the courage to test what they hear from this pulpit, to, to test what they see on television or hear on radio or on social media, to test all things with your word, for your word is the final authority. And for you're a God who has spoken to us in his word. I pray, Lord, you'd open our hearts and minds to understand the truths proclaimed from this pulpit. And then I pray that you would empower us by your spirit and for your glory to apply these truths to our lives so that we could be all that you called us to be. We thank you so much, Lord, for inspiring Paul, guiding Paul to record, to write the book of Ephesians without error. So that this is one of 66 books that we can receive the guidance for our lives that we need and through the power of the Holy Spirit understand your word and be able to apply your word for the glory of the triune God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to be finishing up Ephesians today. Ephesians 6, 21 to 24. And uh, we just finished up last week the full armor of God. And... Um, and so I just want to touch on that briefly, the belt of truth. Uh, if you know, if we know enough of the truth, Satan can't, won't be able to deceive us. There's so many people out there, even people who profess to be Christians, that are not grounded in God's truth. How can, how can we see through the lies that our culture throws at us um, if we don't know God's truth? And by the way, it takes courage nowadays in America. This is not Grandpa's America. We live in a culture of lies. A culture that doesn't love the truth. And so you proclaim the truth, especially when you proclaim the gospel message. And, um, and people, you know, get in your face and get down on you. And now our government is viewing us as uh, second-class citizens at best, terrorists as, at worst. Remember the early church, they were arrested for being haters of mankind, even though they were the most peaceful people on the planet. And so uh, we need to speak the truth in love. We need to love and pray for those who persecute us. But we've got to preach truth. We've got to preach Jesus. So we've got to have that belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. If you live righteously, your heart will be pure before God. Through loving the Lord, everything we got, loving our neighbor as ourselves, through um, trusting in the Lord Jesus and trusting in his word, God empowers us to live righteous lives. 
You know, you, the words that you share with others have absolutely no power if you're not practicing what you preach. Okay? And it's probably the number one reason why people claim they don't go to church because the church is filled with hypocrites. Now, you know, don't get me wrong, I think there's too much mileage taken out of that, but certainly if we don't practice what we preach, we're going to push people away, but... I mean, you follow that line of reasoning out, that'd be like saying, I don't go to the hospital because there's a bunch of sick people there. Okay? So in one way, shape, or form, we all got a little bit of hypocrisy, and we're not going to be perfected till Jesus comes back. But whatever the case, we've got to be people of truth, people of righteousness. We've got to be prepared to spread God's word, to share the gospel of peace with others, so that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can advance God's kingdom. You know, are you prepared to share your faith with others? Can you share the gospel in 20 seconds, in a minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes? Um, are you prepared to share the gospel? We need the shield of faith. With strong enough faith, strong enough trust in the Lord, temptations will lose their power. You know, we often fall, cave into temptations because we're really not trusting God and his word. You know, God, you know, God's word says it, it should be till death do us part in marriage and stuff. But man always comes up with what he thinks is a better idea. No, I think I can move on and, and uh, take on another spouse or this or that and divorce this one. And, or I could just live a life, not get married, live a life of sexual immorality. No, it, God's word, uh, the word of God. Is, is, where God, is where the truth is, and we need to have faith, strong enough faith, so that if our whole culture is saying, look, this is the way you should live, we got to say no. Let God be true and every man a liar. I'm not going to cave in to the lies of this world. And I'm telling you, the lies are so ridiculous right now. The things we are teaching kids in our schools that uh, you can identify with a different gender or make your own gender up if you want. That guys can start identifying as females and use the ladies, can start using the ladies' room. And this critical race theory type thing where we're judging people and saying, well, if you're white, you're automatically a racist. And all this, all this garbage that we're getting hit with and that America was so, so bad. I'm telling you, when you look at America, it's good. we got an ugly history. But don't stop there. Compare it with all the other nations on earth, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow. Thank you, Lord, for letting me be born in America. Not a perfect country. It is a perfect city. That's the new Jerusalem in heaven. But until we get there, America wasn't that bad. And we're throwing it all away. And, uh, but we've got to have strong enough faith so that temptations lose their power. Uh, the helmet of salvation. We've got to be certain that we're saved. Look, I'm trusting in Jesus for salvation. God's word says I'm saved. You need that kind of assurance to enter into battle with Satan and his evil ones. Don't let Satan hit you with guilt trips and make you ineffective in your walk with the Lord. Our only offensive weapon, the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Uh, if you call on God's word, Satan will flee from you. This is how we fight our battle. Okay, and, and, and our culture, our government is trying to make it look like we're wannabe terrorists. 
And we want to fight a different kind of battle. No, the battle we fight is a spiritual battle. Now, granted, we've got to protect our loved ones, but we're not picking fights with anybody. We're just preaching the word. That's the sword of the spirit. Um, a Marine has his M16. Christians have their Bible. And we need to be grounded in God's word. And then we need to be people of prayer. Uh, if we keep in communication with God and continue to study his word, we'll recognize his voice. Jesus says that my sheep know my voice and they follow me. How can we say that we know the Lord's voice if we're not in his word on a regular basis? You know, I'll, I run into a lot of, lot of guys, a lot of gals who say, oh, I had a vision, this and that. Look, if you're not reading God's word, if you're not heavy into God's word, how do you know that vision was from the Lord? Okay, and um, so we, we've got to get into God's word. We've got to be people of God's word, people of prayer. And so we need the full armor of God on. And again, I recommend you start each day with a little devotional study of God's word and prayer. If you can incorporate some worship uh, in there, some praise and worship as well, we ought to be praying with thanksgiving we, we American Christians are so ungrateful. You know, we're, we, think, uh, we think we know what Job went through because our second or third microwave broke down, you know? And um, no, look, we, we've got it so much better than our brothers and sisters around this globe that are being persecuted. And now that persecution is starting to come here. We got guys behind bars that are quote unquote political prisoners. And I guarantee probably 80% of them are Bible-believing Christians, so they just try to stand up for the truth, and the government was able to uh, uh, pretend that they had broken some type of law. And, uh, and by the way, there's a lot of mistreatment going on in, in our prisons today as well. And, um, and so now Paul is going to close this letter, and... Uh, he gives some personal remarks in verses 21 and 22. So Ephesians 6, verses 21 and 22. But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Okay? And so Paul wants the Ephesians to know the details about his circumstances. Okay? Um, and he taught them doctrine in this letter. The first three chapters, he taught about our, our standing in Christ and theological, biblical doctrines, biblical teachings. Then in the last three chapters, he taught us how to apply these doctrines, and now Paul is discussing personal matters with them. Um, see, Christianity, we're to have personal relationships, not just with the Lord, but it's essential that we have, when, whenever possible, personal relationships with other believers. Now, you, you might get thrown in prison for preaching the gospel someday. And then you might get in trouble for preaching the gospel there, so they might throw you in, uh, in solitary confinement, and you might not even be able to write letters to people, to communicate with people. But if possible, we need not only to be into a personal 
love relationship with the Lord, we should be in a personal love relationship with other believers as well. In fact, I would argue that our spiritual family should be, the, the, the bonds of our spiritual family should be even close, closer than the bonds of our physical families. Now, you still have responsibility to your physical family. And what a blessing it is when your, your siblings or your parents come to Christ and become not only physical brothers and sisters, but spiritual brothers and sisters as well. Uh, but we need to have that unity. <clears throat> By the way, you might not feel, when things are going good, it might be like, hey, yeah, uh, it's neither here nor there, you know. There's a football game on, I'm going to, where I want to go fishing, I'm just going to skip church on Sunday and, you know, things of that sort. Um, but I even recommend, you know, go to home. Little, you know, we got Bible studies here at the church and smaller groups. Go to home Bible studies. But I'm telling you, um, and start talking to your neighbors. I'm guilty of not doing that myself. Start talking to your neighbors because, believe me, we're not going to be real picky about our Christian friends in the near future. Okay? In some countries, people be willing to give their right arm just to bump into another Christian. So, you know, Paul, just think how much Paul missed fellowshipping with other Christians when he was in prison. He's writing this letter, and he's in prison. And, um, and so personal relationships are essential. Whenever possible, they're essential between uh, fellow believers. And a lot of people who aren't Christians, they think Christians don't even care about people. Okay? Um, look, look at how, what our government thinks. In March of 2020, the government shut down the churches because the government ruled they were not essential. They were non-essential. Okay? And they kept open some cannabis shops. They kept, you got, you got to have Walmart, you know? That's like when I got COVID, they're asking me, how do you think you got it? I said, I don't know. When I go to, you know, back then when you go to to Walmart, like 40% of the people were wearing masks. I don't even think the masks work, to be honest with you. Everybody's got different views of it. I don't know what to believe. Uh, but I just assume I probably got it when I was at Walmart. Okay? Who knows? Um, but, uh, but the government thinks, no, we can shut down the churches. The church is non-essential. The, the way the founding fathers thought, they understood that if the churches are thriving... You're going to have less people um, that are going to be homeless, less people that are going to be poor, less people that are going to have problems and they can't fix them, they don't have friends, less people committing crimes. I mean, how, I don't want to show of hands, but how many of us here were doing criminal stuff before we got saved? Okay? Um, without Jesus, I don't even know if I'd be alive today. I'm not, I'm not sure. And... Uh, um, so, you know, uh, traditionally, the uh, American government and state governments have appreciated the churches. And so the churches make the government's job easier. Those days are gone. We're getting in the way now. This is what I call deification of the state. When the government wants worship, it competes with the churches. Okay. Instead of protecting Christians' freedom of speech and freedom to assemble and, um, and freedom of religion, 
our God-given rights. Instead of that, the government sees us as the, uh, as the enemy. And so they rule the church non-essential and shut us down. Okay. Um, and uh, another thing that should be mentioned here, Paul doesn't go into any details about what's going on in his life. But that fellowship with Christians is so important. He misses the Ephesians. He, he loved the Ephesians. Just read the book of Acts. You know, he spent a couple of years there pastoring them, founded the church, pastored them, and uh, discipled them, and then had to move on because God called him to preach the gospel where it hadn't been preached before. And when he was sailing out, and they, he knew he probably wouldn't see them again, he preached a message to the Ephesian elders, the Ephesian pastors, and he wept and they wept. So he loved them. And, um, and that's the way we got to love each other. Okay? You know, even John, in fact, uh, I don't have it in my notes, but just look at 1 John 4, 20 and 21. 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. Listen to what John, the Apostle John says. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's talking about your spiritual brother in the Lord, Someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So don't go around saying you love Jesus if you don't love Jesus' people. Okay? Um, don't go around saying you love Jesus if you don't love Jesus' people. Now, let me say this, though. Paul doesn't even go into any details. He says, Tychicus is going to tell you when he gets there. Why doesn't he go over those personal details? He does in most of his other letters. Not all, but most. He goes over the details of what's, what he's going through, what's going on. Okay? And um, uh, they, there have been copies of the book of Ephesians that have been found, ancient copies where the word, like if you look at the first, the first verse of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, they found some copies that didn't, it wasn't addressed to the saints who are in Ephesus. It was just kind of left blank, Okay. So because of this, many Bible scholars, conservative Bible scholars as well, uh, think that if the letter, Paul's letter to the Ephesians may have been a sec circular letter. And that's why Paul can put no personal material in it and then just told the readers, when Tychicus delivers this scroll to you, he'll tell you how I'm doing. Okay? Because if you go over the personal matters some of that personal stuff might not apply to the Ephesians, but might apply to the Colossians, and vice versa, okay? So, uh, uh, so we don't know for sure. Now, let me say this. Eventually, Paul's letters were so edifying in the early church that all of his letters, even if they were only addressed to the Romans or to the Corinthians, all of his letters became circular letters. In fact, that's how we know um, that's how we found out the 27 books of the New Testament belong in the Bible. Because the early church, their Bible, their first Bible was the Old Testament. And they would 
read it from their pulpits and explain it to the people. And then, as the apostles would write letters, if a letter had apostolic authority, it was either written by an apostle or a colleague of an apostle, and then and the apostles gave a good a thumbs up to it, if it had apostolic authority, if it was in agreement with previous written revelation, like the Old Testament and any other New Testament books already written at that point, and then if it was considered edifying for the entire church, it would be canonized. They would acknowledge, the early church would acknowledge God, you know, it's like, like C.S. Lewis said, Aslan is on the move again. God's doing it again. For 400 years, he didn't write any books, and now he's writing books again. We need to make copies of these scrolls and distrib- distribute them to other, other churches. And so, um, so even whether this was a circular letter or not, eventually it got circulated so that you ended up having all of Paul's letters being grouped together and being uh, passed around to the different churches and copies being made. Now, Paul said that uh, uh, about Tychicus, his name, his name means fortunate or happy, okay? We don't know a whole lot about him. In fact, we could look at every passage that mentions him. We already looked at Ephesians 6, 21. Look at Acts 20, verse 4. Acts 20, verse 4. And Sopater of Berea accompanied him, Paul, to uh, Asia, also Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. So we know he was from Asia, basically Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. So we know that he was from there, and he accompanied Paul, traveled with Paul on his third missionary journey. Look at Colossians uh, 4.7 couple books after Ephesians, Colossians 4, 7, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, he calls them both of those things in, in Ephesians as well. And um, can you imagine if Paul introduced, if you lived back then and Paul introduced you to other Christians as a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord? You'd be thinking, oh man, that's a lot of responsibility there. Paul, if the Apostle Paul says, man, this guy is, this guy is a strong Christian. Okay? Um, it's kind of scary. It makes you wonder what, what Paul would introduce you as or me as uh, to meet other people. But, but Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. So Colossians may also have been a circular letter. And um, that would be passed around, and uh, and Tychicus was going to deliver that one as well. This was also written during Paul's Roman imprisonment. Look when Paul's about to die, Second Timothy four twelve. Now this is this is about a good seven years, six or seven years after Paul wrote his letter to um, the Ephesians, Second Timothy four twelve. And he, if, if he's talking about I mean, he's talking about some big guns here because I mean, if you just look at eleven verses eleven and twelve, he's writing to Timothy. Paul's about to die. He says only Luke is with me. That's Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. 
Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. That's John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. These are big guns. And then he says, Antichicus I have sent to Ephesus. So Tychicus was being sent back to Ephesus again. Ephesus again. So uh, this, this guy is doing a lot of traveling. And by the way, when you traveled in ancient times, I mean, you had, sometimes you had to board a ship, and it was pretty crazy back then. And you could get shipwrecked. You can get beaten on the way. If you get caught with a Christian scroll, you could get imprisoned. I mean, lots of things were, go- were going on back then. And, um, and this guy was a faithful uh, minister. And then Titus, Paul's letter to Titus, chapter 3 and verse 12. Titus 3, verse 12. When I send Artemis to you, or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. So, I mean, this guy is like, you know, Paul saying, hey, I'm either going to send Artemis, if he can't make it, I'll send Tychicus. Uh, but this guy is like one of, one of the Apostle Paul's right-hand men. And we know little to nothing about him. Yet no word found in God's word is wasted. So it was important enough for God to mention Tychicus. Okay? What do we know about him? His name means fortunate or happy. He was from Asia, Asia Minor, the area of modern Turkey. He traveled with Paul on his third missionary journey. He was with Paul during his first Roman imprisonment. That's when he wrote Ephesians and Colossians. He carried Paul's letters to the Colossians and to the Ephesians. Um, And now he is to give, Paul said he's going to give the Ephesians a report of Paul's condition. Paul calls him beloved brother. You know, he was well loved. There's a lot of brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, I would say, yeah, that's my brother in the Lord. That's my sister in the Lord. But I might not say beloved. You know, uh, God's really working on me, so I'm kind of, just like you're trying to, you're trying to tolerate some of my idiosyncrasies, okay? Uh, I've been pastoring for 33 years, so, you know, every, all of us, when we come to Jesus, we bring our stuff with us, and then Jesus is in the process of eliminating that stuff, okay? Well, I, I've been learning to be patient with people, sometimes too patient. I always err on the side of grace. If I choose grace and justice, if I can't make the decision, I kind of err on the side of, of grace and stuff. But, um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, maybe some of us are not very beloved. I mean, there's some people out there that if they find out you're going to my church, they say, oh, Pastor Phil, what a beloved brother. But, uh, you know, there's others... They say, oh, you go to uh, Fernandez's church? And it, when they do that, when they just roll the eyes and, and grunt, that, doesn't, that means they don't think I'm so beloved. Okay? Well, this guy was beloved as far as Paul was concerned. 
the boy's doing something right. Okay? Um, it shouldn't be your goal to be the smartest one in the room, to be the toughest one in the room, uh, to be the most talented one in the room. But it should be all of our goals to be beloved. Okay? If you love Jesus, love people with the love of Jesus, if they're open to Jesus, they're going to love you. The opposite side of that coin, though, is Jesus said, if you find the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. So Paul said, if possible, so long as it depends on you, be, on, be at peace with all men. It's not possible to be at peace with everybody. There's going to be people that because they hate Jesus... They're going to hate us. And there are some people There are some people who love Jesus. They just can't stand me. You know, maybe some cultural things or, or I talk too loud or whatever it might be, you know. And, uh, but, uh, but Paul, we know this guy was well-loved. Tychicus, beloved brother. And then he's called a faithful minister. Okay? Whenever we think of minister, we're thinking, oh, that guy's a minister. We're thinking up here, that guy's a minister. And all that shows is we haven't done a word study on the word minister in the scriptures. Because if, if you do a study on the word minister, we get our word deacon from it, servant, one who waits tables. So we hear, oh, that guy's a minister. He's down here. Jesus said, you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. Many who are first will be last and the last first. And you use the gifts God's given you, but you use them to serve others, not to exercise authority over them. Okay? And, uh, and so he was a faithful minister, a loyal and trustworthy servant of God. Are, are, are you faithful to the ministry God's given you? Your ministry probably looks a lot different than my ministry. Even pastors, their ministries are so different with one pastor from another. God, God never, you know, God doesn't want me to be a, another Billy Graham. God doesn't want me uh, to, to be a clone of somebody else. God's given me my own specific ministry. God's given you your own specific ministry. And, and you might say, uh, yeah, well, God hasn't called me to be a pastor um, because uh, I'm not that important. God hasn't called me to be a pastor, so I, I don't have that important of a ministry. You know what my response to you today is? Don't be ashamed of being a Tychicus. You think people are going around saying, man, that, that, uh, that, that Tychicus, so I love the way he takes all those all those risks to deliver scrolls written from Paul. They didn't know. He said, once he hands that scroll over, they, don't, they, they probably didn't even ask him, how you doing, Tychicus? Probably the first, he hands the scroll, the first question from, how's, how's Paul doing? And you know what? Tychicus probably didn't care that they weren't real concerned about him. They were really concerned about Paul. You know why? Because he was a faithful servant. Faithful servant. You know, remember, remember Stella. 
And she died in her 90s, a great prayer warrior. And whenever we'd get together, she'd always talk so highly of me, like I was some kind of spiritual giant and all. But she was a prayer warrior. And I'd be listening to her. I mean, I didn't want to argue with the lady, but, but um, I was thinking, man, if I can get half the rewards in heaven that Stella's going to get, I'll be a happy camper. So if God's called you to be a preacher, then you're going to, God's, the, 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 you know, if you're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, Jesus alone, uh, you're going to be judged by how faithful in your walk with the Lord when it comes to rewards, how faithful or how faithless you were in the ministry that God has given you. And believe me, you, I, I, we get people all the time, people visiting the church, some stay, some move on. The people that sometimes I have nothing in common with them. And I wouldn't be able to drag them into this church uh, if I hooked a rope around them and, and tried to drag them in. Yet, you can reach people that I can't reach. Okay? I could probably reach some people um, that, uh, that you can't reach. Now I'm finding like a, an effective way to bring people in. I let them punch me in the face in a boxing gym during the week, and then they show up on Sunday. So, so maybe, there's, maybe it's boxing evangelism or whatever. But, but whatever the case, Tychicus was a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a loyal and trustworthy servant of the Lord. Paul thought highly of him, though he's relatively unknown now. I don't know about you, but... Uh, you know, someday do a do a, a search of all different names in the Bible and uh, other people that we know little to nothing about. We don't know a whole lot about Silas. What we do know about him is really cool, though. And um, but um, we know a lot more about like Timothy and Titus because Paul is writing letters to them. But when I get to heaven, yeah, I want to spend as much time as I can with Jesus. But there's going to be billions who want to spend time with him, and. Um, but maybe I could just bump into Tychicus. You know, ask me, what was it like, man? What was it like being the Apostle Paul, one of his right-hand men? And uh, this is why Francis Schaeffer wrote a book entitled it, No Little People. There are no little people in God's kingdom. You might say, well, Pastor Phil, uh, you know, I'm not loud like you. I'm quiet. And so, well, good, you know, because we don't want, you can't have too many loud people. We'd all want to preach. And um, nobody would come to our churches. But um, there's no little people in God's kingdom. There's no little people in the church. You know, again, I say this, say this over and over again. If you tell a non-believing psychologist that you believe you're on a mission from God, he will tell you that you're a nut. Okay? But you go to a good preacher and you come to Christ for salvation and you tell him that you're not on a mission from God, a good preacher will tell you you're a nut. You need to get with the program. You need to be all that God called you to be. Kai's ministry is totally different from mine. Okay? If we switched, she'd probably do a better job at my ministry than I do at hers with all the service that she does. Okay? 
Just be all that God called you to be, and you can only do it through the power of God. But be a faithful minister. Be a faithful servant. Be a beloved brother or a beloved sister. And Paul says when, when Tychicus comes, he's going to comfort your hearts. He's going to bring good news about Paul. I'm telling you, man, if I get locked up, God, there might be a little good news. You know, maybe I've led another guy to Christ or something, but, but man, I'm a, I'm a complainer. You know, I'm from Essex County, New Jersey, so we're the, we're the experts on complaining. But here Paul is going to send Tychicus to share good news about Paul when Paul's in prison. But we got to remember, this is Paul, the kind of guy who hangs out with Silas in a Philippian jail, and they're singing praise songs at midnight. Okay? Pray that God will enable you and me to sing praises to him if we get imprisoned someday or sent to a reindoctrination camp because of our faith. And so, uh, so Paul said, look, I'm sending Tychicus to you to comfort your hearts. The Ephesians really cared about Paul. Tychicus was going to bring good news about Paul. And we're going to have to wait to find out more about Tychicus when we get to heaven. But believers should be concerned about each other even when we're apart. We're still members of one body. We need to comfort each other. And you can say, yeah, but well, my comfort comes from the Lord. Yeah, but most of the time when God comforts us, he gives us that comfort through other believers. Just read 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The first few verses where our God is the God of all comfort. He allows us to go through difficult times so we depend on God's comfort so that when our brothers and sisters in the Lord go through difficult times, we can share with them the comfort that God has given to us. Okay, Paul's got a lot of comfort to share with the uh, uh, Ephesians and he's going to have Tychicus share that comfort. So there are many unsung heroes of the faith. Okay, not... Every Christian is, is going to be famous. You know, that's one thing I love about when I get together with um, some of my brothers in the Lord. They're way more well-known than me. Uh, pe people like, like Frank Tara comes to mind and stuff like that. And we'll go out, to, go out to get breakfast together when we're speaking at a conference. And you never say, you know, he'll never say something. He'll say, you know, just one of my books has sold more than 10 times all your books have sold together. He'll never say that. And, and uh, he'd be the last guy on earth to say, because I'm more famous than you, I'm holier than you. We know very little about Tychicus. And the dude was a faithful servant. So you, you be all that God called you to be. Let God determine how many people are going to know your name. You know, what did I, uh, I bumped into a guy when we used to do this study at Barnes and & Noble, and uh, a guy said, uh, during the Bible study, they got my coffee, so I got up to get it, and he said, are you, are you Pastor Phil Fernandez? I said, yeah. And um, I said, why, you attend one of my talks? He said, no, no, I was discipled by a guy who was discipled by Matt Coombs, some of you know Matt Coombs, and he said that he was discipled by you. And by the way, they described your voice. I, so here was a guy that, you know, he didn't even know me. And that's, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of work we're doing. There are people whose lives you've touched 
that have touched other people's lives and have touched other people's lives, and you can bump into, into them, and they don't even know your name. Okay? And even if, you, if, if, if the person who discipled them told them about you, unless you have a really unique voice, they're probably not going to recognize you in, in public. That's the way it was with Tychicus. We, we, look, we serve Jesus. We don't serve for the applause of man. We serve to please our king. Okay? And uh, uh, now the, the epilogue, the closing here, verses 23 and 24, Paul says, Peace to the brethren. So, peace to the believers. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. And so Paul wishes upon the Ephesians peace, love, with faith from God the Father and God the Son. And he, he, he wishes, he prays that they receive God's grace. Um, all those who love the Lord, some translations read, with an undying love. Peace, the, the word in the the Greek is irene, and it means uh, harmony, rest, freedom from worries. Okay? Um, by, when we get saved, we get peace with God. Because we declared war on God in, in the garden. And then, through God the Son becoming a man and dying on the cross for our sins... God has reached out the hand of reconciliation. The Lord Jesus has made peace with us. And, uh, and so we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus. If you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, you have peace with God. Okay? You're no longer at war with God. <clears throat> but Paul also wants us to have peace with fellow believers. You know, if we agree on the essentials, yeah, we can disagree on, uh, on some of the non-essentials. We can even argue about them. But we've got to love each other. If there's no peace within the church, we have nothing to offer the world. Okay? If people come into our churches and they see us arguing all the time and yelling at each other, and the guy's going to say, man, I'll... Forget about going to church on Sunday. I'll go to bars on Friday and Saturday nights. At least they fight better than those church people. Okay? Um, Jesus said that the ultimate apologetic, the ultimate defense of the faith, is that when you have love for one another, then the world will know that you're my disciples. Okay? So Paul wants us to have peace with God through faith in Jesus, peace with our fellow brethren, uh, Peace also speaks about peace within. A lot of people who talk about inner peace can go off onto heretical tangents, but the stresses that we face in life. I'm not going to lie to you. God's word does not say if you become a Christian, you won't have anything bad happen to you. No, there's going to be rotten stuff. You're going to go through trials. The difference between us and the world, we all go through trials but when the world goes through trials, they go through trials alone. When we go through trials, we go through trials with Jesus. Okay? I believe he was there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
in the fiery furnace? I believe he's with you right now. In the midst of your trials and sufferings. And so, again, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Don't suffer anxiety. Choose to rejoice always. Be gentle to other people. And rather than suffering anxiety or stress, turn your request over to the Lord with thanksgiving. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will overcome you. Okay? And Paul wants us to have uh, this peace. The world can only offer us a false peace. The peace Paul talks about is a true peace. Now again, Romans 12, 18, Paul says, if possible, so long as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. It's not always possible, though. I could tell President Biden, I love you and I'm praying for you. And I want to be at peace with you. You know what? I think if he found out what I believe, he would still be at war with me. This might be tough for Americans to, to realize, but we're not exempt. I mean, even Adolf Hitler was elected in Nazi Germany. In, in Germany, and then the Nazis took over. Um, so, you know, we got to understand that we're going the way of most nations where the governments and cultures hate Jesus. And um, if they hated him, they're going to hate us as well. But we pray for them, we love them, we desire to see them saved. We've got to pray for and love those who persecute us. Okay? But I'm not, you know, that's why Paul said, if possible, so long as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. We can extend the hand of peace But if we have an anti-Christian government that wants to crush us, I love you, I'm going to pray for you, and when the day comes, I might run and hide from you. And you lock me up, I'm going to preach Jesus in jail. Amen. And you throw me in solitary confinement, I'll make up for all the lack of devotional studies that I... That I uh, should have had throughout the years. My devotional life will go through the roof. But, uh, but whatever the case, Paul wishes peace on them. And then love, the Greek words agape, godly, unconditional love from God the Father and God the Son. And so Paul is sending his love to them as well as God's love. He's wishing God's love on them. 1 John 4.19, we're told that we love because he first loved us. When God loves us, you know, God has the ability to love that which is unlovable. Then we can take the love that God gives us and we can share that with others. And so Paul's saying, I want you to have peace and God's love. Uh, but he also prays uh, that it's love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, our ability to believe in God and to trust in Him is also a gift from God. Divine revelation and divine persuasion. If God didn't, didn't reveal Himself to us, we wouldn't even look for Him. And if God didn't persuade us and chip away at our hardened hearts, we would never believe. Okay? If... Um, If I have 
faith in Mike Tyson as a really tough fighter, let's say when Mike Tyson was in his prime, if I had faith in him and confidence in him that he was going to defeat his opponent, where did I get that faith? Did I just have blind faith and say, I never heard of the guy, I'm just going to, he's only 5'10", and I'm just going to pick him to knock out the six foot five guy that he's fighting, which he used to do on a pretty regular basis. No, it was Mike Tyson built that faith in me. I, he gave the evidence that you should trust in me to whoop on a lot of guys once I step inside the ring. So the faith that we have in Jesus, Jesus is the one who gave us the evidence. God the triune God has given us evidence to believe. Okay? If God didn't give us evidence to believe and then persuade us to believe, none of us would believe. So pray to God, not only for God's love, but pray for more faith. You know, Lord, I love you. Help me to love you more. Lord, I believe in you. I have faith in you. But give me more faith. There isn't any of us here that could say, you know what, I have the perfect amount uh, of faith and love. And, uh, but this comes to us, he wants to, us to have peace, love, with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's mentioning two persons of the Trinity. Other parts in the book of Ephesians, he mentions the third person as well, the Holy Spirit. So the one true God exists throughout all eternity as three equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the Father's called God there, God the Father, but there, the Lord Jesus Christ, Koryos, the Greek word for Lord, was the most common Greek word used when the uh, Hebrew Old Testament was translated into Greek. It was the most common word used to translate the word Yahweh. Okay? So calling Jesus the Lord... Is saying that Jesus is Yahweh, calling him the Christ means he is the Jewish Messiah, the one that God anointed uh, to rescue the nation of Israel. And when Jesus returns, he will rescue uh, the nation of Israel. All Israel will be saved, all Israel will come to Christ. And so the Lord Jesus, uh, as the Messiah, will rescue the nation of Israel. But Paul is asking for peace, love, and faith to be given to the Ephesians from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a prayer for all of us. We all need that. And then he wishes grace upon them. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. There again, he calls Jesus Koryos, the New Testament equivalent of, of Yahweh in this context. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Some translations uh, read, uh, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. That, I think, is a really good description of a true believer. Grace, charis in the Greek, it's God's unmerited favor. None of us deserve to be saved. We don't earn it. Jesus did what needed to be done to save us. He's the ultimately worthy substitute sacrifice who died on the cross for our sins. We're saved by God's grace, if 
by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, the true Jesus of the Bible alone. But we also grow in the Lord by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. We don't obey God's laws in our own strength. We trust in the Lord Jesus and his grace to enable us uh, to obey God from the heart. And, uh, and so I, I would hope that Paul would describe us as, say, well, as people at Trinity Bible Fellowship, I'm wish, wishing upon them, I'm praying for them to receive God's peace, love, faith, and grace, because those are people who love our Lord Jesus. They're believers, they're true believers. They love the Lord Jesus with an undying love. And so that concludes the book of Ephesians. Paul went over the first three chapters, the believer's position in Christ. He talked about our spiritual blessings in Christ. We're chosen in Christ, adopted as sons. We're redeemed. Jesus set us free by the paying of a price. He died on the cross for our sins. We're forgiven in Christ. We have an eternal inheritance that shall not fade away, and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're made alive in Christ. <clears throat> we were dead in our sin, but then we're saved. You know, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. We're saved by God's grace alone, <clears throat> through faith alone, in Jesus alone. But then he goes right into, for we are God's workmanship, God's work of art, new creations in Christ created to do good works, which God prepared beforehand <clears throat> that we should walk in them. So Christians don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved. Paul talked about our unity in Christ. Gentiles are not second-class Christians in the church. We're united in Christ. We make one body. He talked about the mystery of the church, that Gentiles could become, could be saved by God without getting circumcised and converting to Judaism and placing themselves under the Old Testament law. Okay? And this is all in the first three chapters. Chapters 4 through 6, Paul talks about the believer's practice in Christ. We are one body that God has sent us apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers to prepare us for service, to prepare us for ministry. We all have a ministry from God. We're called to be imitators of God. We're told how to have a godly marriage and how to raise children. We're told about the slave and master relationship, which we can apply to our relationship with our bosses, our work relationship. And then he told us about the full armor of God. So what a beautiful letter Paul wrote to the Ephesians, probably a circular letter to go around um, to other churches as well. And, but I'm so grateful that he wrote this book so we can learn about the church. We can learn about our unity. We can learn um, how to be imitators of God, how to have godly families and raise children. And we can learn how to wear, how to put on the full armor of God. So it's my prayer that uh, we, you know, these are all online. You can go over these, about probably about 34, 35 sermons on the book of Ephesians. You just go to the website and, uh, and get on sermon audio and, and listen to these. But uh, uh, I hope 
that is, all of God's Word will change our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm very grateful for the book uh, of Ephesians. Now, we're one in Christ. One God. One baptism. And uh, now we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to ask Pastor John to come up and lead us in the celebration of the Lord's Supper.